Nolan Satters, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. This is your host, Bruce Ash, broadcasting from Coronado, California, where the women are strong, the men are good-looking, and the children are all above average. Just ask any parent, and they will tell you so. Our co-host and great friend, Eb, is back in the studio with his new set of wheels, along with producer Tom. Thanks for tuning in to a special election issue. Make that election edition of Inside Track. Eb? Hey, Bruce. Uh, welcome to day 562 of the 15-day Flatten the Curve. We have another great show for you today. In just a few moments, we'll be talking to old friend and Republican candidate for U.S. House from District 2, Juan Siscomani. He'll be talking about his campaign and aspirations for Southern Arizona. At the bottom of the hour, uh, we're going to have GOP candidate for U.S. Senate, Blake Masters. He'll be chatting with us about the Senate campaign he's in. He's a fresh face in this contest, so we're really interested in getting acquainted. After we hear from Blake... Sean Steele, RNC member from California, will hop on the phone from back east where he's tracing his family roots and give us the inside track on what's happening with a very important recall election there. It's an action-packed show. Put on your seatbelts. Thanks for joining us. We've got a lot to discuss. Bruce. This portion of the show brought to you by Hymas Wilkinson Investment Management, whose baby steps approach to your wealth management is designed so you never, ever have to solely depend on socialist security. Call Eb at 777-1911 and let him help you also. Speaking of Eb Wilkinson, how are you, buddy? I'm doing well. The other day was a very sad day, uh, losing all those people over in Afghanistan. It certainly was. It certainly was. We had a great show last week with Middle East experts, Captain Bob Wells and, and also Frank Antonori. Uh, we've received a lot of positive feedback. So have you, haven't you, Ed? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. you heard it, from people back back east. I, and, I heard it from people Midwest in Chicago, or, Midwest. Pe- people I didn't even know were listening were listening. Yeah, it's amazing. Same here. Uh, people uh, who were listening live or, or who listen on the podcast. And for those of you who don't know, uh, Inside Track is on the KVOI podcast page. If you just go to KVOI.com and go podcast, uh, you can find all of our shows uh, going back uh, probably 90 days or so. So, Eb, your take on the latest news coming from the August 31st pullout in Afghanistan, the bombings this week, uh, I mean, this was avoidable. Absolutely um, it was. Yeah, I mean, w- 13, I think I think the number is still 13 of our servicemen, uh, and then I think a total of 200 people um killed in that blast actually a series of blasts wasn't it right it was more than one it was a series of blasts and you know it's it's just depressing to see how this current administration is handling things they're washing their hands of all of it they're blaming the prior administration uh it's just disgusting they are not taking responsibility number one number two they should have never let that happen to begin with yeah, you're right about that. This this was, and, and Frank and Bob really clearly discussed that last week. Um, if you could, if you could imagine how a um, how how you would leave a country under these circumstances, they did it 180 degrees in the opposite direction. 
the president's performance this week um, was almost as lame as what it was the prior week. He he appeared to be uh, disabled uh, in his responses, and uh, we we now learn that there was a drone attack uh, with one uh, KIA and one uh, injured uh, terrorist. Uh, but we have uh, also learned, Eb, haven't we, that um, it appears that uh, the Taliban, which said that they uh, decried that bombing on uh, Wednesday, um, what they're what they're hiding is that mm. they worked in collaboration with. They ISIS. facilitated that bombing. Yeah. So so ISIS was their proxy. These guys learned very well from their masters in Iran uh, how to do this. Uh, and they're using other people so that you know they don't get uh, the blowback from the world community. Uh, but anybody who's really paying attention knows that this was, um, uh, you know, a staged attack, uh, and and they're trying to teach us a lesson. They're trying to bloody our nose on the way out, uh, killing more Afghani's, uh, close to 190 or so, um, and and the carnage at the airport. The the amount of disorganization. Now, I realize that, that a lot of people have been uh, evac'd out of um, Afghanistan. We don't really know how many people still uh, remain. Um, and frankly, even if we get all of our people out, the way that this was done, Eb, I mean, to, to endanger American lives, to endanger our NATO allies, they're very upset. The NATO allies and the G7 uh, allies are just up in arms about how the president really uh, uh, sandbagged them. They had no idea that all of this was going to happen the way it did. Right. And when you take a look at it, you know, how can our allies trust us at this point with anything that we say we're going to do? And I, I don't blame them that they wouldn't trust us with that. Now, the good news is you talked about getting people out. I was watching Fox News earlier, and there was a group of former uh, military special operators that uh, talked about uh, they ended up getting out about 12,000 individuals, which when you think about that, people that are not currently active, that are working outside government channels, and they're still able to get out 12,000 people. That's amazing. There are going to be books and movies made about this to show the good side of what came out of this absolutely tragic situation. Well, um, it is the Joint Chiefs of Staff and the Defense uh, uh, Department Secretary who, uh, along with the President, shares uh, the blame, and, and they all have blood on their hands. If it weren't for uh, the bravery of our men and women serving in uh their armed forces, there, there could have been uh, greater problems. We have uh, also a, um, uh, a big hurricane, uh, Category 3 probably, when it hits uh, the Gulf Coast in uh, southern Louisiana, uh, almost on the exact uh, anniversary of the uh, Hurricane Katrina. Uh, lots of people there are uh, running uh, and trying to get uh, help and shelter. Uh, we also have um, additional problems with this uh, crazy uh, budget. It's it's interesting, Eb, and we're going to go to commercial break here in just a second, Tom. Um, it is so interesting that CNN and a lot of the other news resources, both print and electronic media, are now trying to shift from the uh, from the uh, Afghanistan story uh, over to a new story on the budget. Uh, I don't know that the president has the oomph to get this uh, to get this done. I can't see that happening. 
Yeah. Hey, Ab, um, I want to let you know, and all, all of our listeners know, I heard from Greg Ayers earlier this week from Gap Ministries. You know, Ken Absolutely. and Greg have been doing a great job. And he shared some exciting news about the Gap uh, Campus of Hope. Uh, Gap Ministries has found their new home so they can serve more families, help more children, uh, and, and make our valley a, a safer place. Uh, for youth uh, in our community. And um, I've talked to Greg and Tian about coming on to the show soon uh, so they can unfold the whole story about the new Campus of Hope. And I'm hoping that uh, we can do that real soon. That's yeah? great. Any idea where it's at? Uh, close by. I'll let I'll let uh, Greg uh, break all the news uh, uh, for you. I've been there, um, and uh, they've made a really a fabulous uh, deal, uh, and they're going to be able to start their construction almost immediately. So that very, sounds very great. Excited for for the folks at Gap. Yeah. And, hey, Mr. Ahead. Producer, uh, I think it's time for our first break. When we return, friend of the show and GOP candidate for U.S. Congress District Two, Juan Siscomani joins us. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. A lot of the, the cities and the counties around have initiatives for artists. I think we're one of the premier artist suppliers for steel. First Saturday of every month, you can come down early and actually go through the scrapyard across the street at seven acres of metal. You can walk through with our people and pick out what you want. It's always interesting to see what the artists have done. We've done uh, actually a couple projects with the U of A engineering department and music department where the engineering music students came down together. They had to pick something out of the scrap and uh, they had to build an instrument. And we have one of those in front of the plant. Some really cool things come out of the scrap. Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. Call 209-1579. Stop by the yard. 701 East 36th Street, open Monday through Saturday. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. This portion of today's show brought to you by our friends Jamie and Gary Kipper from Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. They've got some of the best surplus steel materials in stock ever to help with your next project. I'm not sure if you caught it on Tipping Point with Zach Yenser this week. Gary Kipper and his family have launched a foundation to help uh, to create educational success one kid at a time. We're going to feature them soon to talk about their new project. And a big shout-out to Eric Rudin and his professional team at Essential Pest. Summer rains, and the rains are coming back, mean more critters and vermin threatening your home or business. Call Essential Pros at 886-3029. I talked with Eric this week. He's doing well. 
These are two great locally owned family businesses you can depend on. Bruce and I do. So should you. Bruce. Hey, Insiders, Eb and I made a decision to uh, create airtime, uh, make time available on our show for candidates in the upcoming state and federal elections for 2022 and 2024. A few weeks ago, we spoke with Walt Blackman, who is a GOP candidate in CD1. Neither Eb or I will make endorsements here on the show. Instead, we'll be giving all of the serious candidates uh, for federal and state office the opportunity to make their case on our show so you can make your decision who to support. So, uh, Producer Tom, I think Juan Siscomani is uh, on the phone uh, with us. Juan recently announced his candidacy for the GOP nomination to fill what will be an open seat for CD2. Welcome, Juan. So much. Thanks, Bruce, and uh, hi, Ed. Thanks for having me on. Hey, Juan. So uh, let, let's get it out there, okay? What was the what was the chief reason that you decided to run for Congress, Juan? This is a big decision. Sure. Well, when we look at what's happening in our country, we can't sit back and allow that to continue to happen. Well, a big way and a and the one of the biggest strategies to be able to stop what's going on coming out of Washington is to take the House back. We have a real shot at taking the U.S. House of Representatives back. We only need to flip five seats in the country to do that. And this is one of those seats. It's a competitive seat that is currently owned by a Democrat and who is, as you mentioned, not running anymore. So it's an open seat. And we have a great shot at taking this district and help take the House back and finally put a stop and some checks and balances to all the bad ideas uh, coming out of Washington, D.C. right now. I'm, I'm a concerned dad. I'm a dad of six, as you know. And uh, I can sit here and just uh, continue to watch this happen and, and, and my kids losing their future every day of the Biden administration when, when they have no direction. Yeah, not only is Ann Kirkpatrick not running for re-election, <laughs> I'm not sure how much she's actually showing up uh, in Congress either. Uh, I think she has given her, her proxy uh, on numerous occasions. Um, you know, she's got a bunch of uh, unelected bureaucrats running her office, which sounds like, uh, you know, the, the, the Democratic uh, way of running things. Um, so, you know, I've known you and, and Laura for about 15 years. Uh, I very, very clearly uh, recall one. Maybe you do, too. We met on a sunny, hot day at a local Starbucks uh, with yep, your wife and the babies. That. <laughs> yeah. That's right. So I think yeah. I think your eldest is probably getting close to uh, getting her driver's license, isn't she? She's she's 12 now. She'll be 13 this year. Laura and I were expecting Zoe that year that uh, in 2008 when we met. Yeah, she was doing election day, and she actually came in about she came about two weeks early, and uh, but she she was pretty much an election baby. And then we've had we've had a child every every two years pretty much after wow. that. Uh, we're done now. We're we're done, and and we they're they're very involved in this effort too, Bruce. I tell you, Zoe, especially she's always been very aware and very in tune with what's going on, and and she she wants to make this happen. I mean, you're absolutely right when you look at what we're the way that Ann has ran this office and um, you know, that we, we need someone that is from the area, understands our issues and is going to show up to work. It really didn't matter to me if Ann was going to uh, not run anymore or, or run this really, we need to, we need to give a, give it our first uh, and best real effort to uh, take this seat back. And we're looking at this great opportunity right now, all this with her, with her not running anymore. And, and uh, the wind in our favor in a lot of ways does help. 
but we need to fight um, as if we had an incumbent running because this is going to be a, a battleground district for sure. So not everybody knows your history. Um, so give us a story. Uh, who wants this Kamani is? Tell our listeners about your background, where you grew up, your family background, um, because it, it's an amazing story, Juan. I mean, you well, have just you. achieved things that are that are spectacular, and now you're ready to, to to move ahead with something new. So tell us where you came from, what what you're all about. Sure. Be happy to. I, I grew up in Tucson. My family immigrated from Mexico, and they chose the U.S. to be the, the place where they wanted to raise a family. And my, my dad today will tell you, when you ask him, why'd you move here? He said, for, for better opportunities, for my kids to have a better education and for uh, ourselves to have a better job. And my, so my, when my parents came here, they, they came here with that in mind. And uh, I grew up in a very conservative home, uh, both uh, uh, in every aspect, but, but in, especially in the aspect of hard work, um, no entitlements, uh, earning what you have, not making excuses. And I mean, as a, as a kid growing up, you try to make excuses, but my, my parents always came back to this notion of we're here to work hard, we're here to earn our way, and we're here to be grateful for the country that welcomed us. And I think that's being lost in a lot of places uh, around the country. It seems that um, uh, many, many in Washington right now are not only embracing these principles, but are somehow going against uh, these principles that, that I grew up with. And it's, and it's, quite honestly, crazy to me. I, I can't understand it. Well, because when I look at the opportunities that my family has had, and by obviously consequence, we have, my sisters and I, in this country, and now my kids, uh, that's, only, that's only achievable in America. And because of our, uh, our environment and what we allow people from all backgrounds to do, my dad is still a bus driver for, for Suntran, so he, he's a bus operator there, a blue-collar worker. We don't have a racks to riches story like many others do, which I, you know, that that's uh, everybody has their own story. But I'm extremely proud of him because he came to this country, immersed himself in the culture, honored his family with his loyalty and hard work and, and dedication, and gave us something better than winning the lottery, which is a shot at being in this country. And you, you tell me, Bruzette, where else in the world can can the son of a uh, of an immigrant that, that that is still working today, blue collar job, have a real shot of becoming a member of the United States Congress. Nowhere wow. else in the country can you have that. And I am so proud and grateful to this country and a proud American that I want to make sure I'm doing my part because a lot of the opportunities that I even grew up with, uh, I'm seeing them fade away for my own kids if we don't put a stop to what's coming out of Washington right now, the overspending, the inflation is up the roof. You, of course, no answers for COVID. The border is a disaster. There's a crisis there. And, I mean, you just got to read the news today and every day to see what's going on around the world and the lack of, of respect that, 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 uh, that really Biden and Pelosi and that whole gang has put us through uh, with, with, uh, with world leaders. Yeah. Yeah, Juan. My last count. Tell there, me, that. talk to me. <laughs> there's about four Democrats uh, from my last count that have uh, said they're running, uh, and two Republicans. Why do you think you're the best candidate for this job as a member of Congress from Southern Arizona? Well, I would fight for Southern Arizona. I, I grew up here. I know the community very well. When you talk about important issues right now to us, which I'll name two, one is border security. I described that I have a my family has a, an immigration journey. I've been working on border security issues for the past seven years. That's what my job really bases on. 
Um, and also, we obviously live in an area that is a, a border area. Part of my job also has to do with the trade aspect of the border. So when you look at the border, there are different facets of that, different areas of it. And I have either personal experience or work experience in all of them. But I tell you, as much as we know about trade and how much it benefits our region, we can have um, proper and, and good trade without a proper and solid security on our border. So that's one of the issues. And when you look at, the, at President Trump's tenure in office, and that was the point where security was at its highest with apprehensions being at the lowest. And guess what? Trade numbers were also at the highest. It's not a coincidence. This is what happens when you have strong leadership on the border. And then you have, of course, uh, election integrity. That's a, that's a big topic. Uh, on, what we saw last year, we can't allow that to happen ever again. And what we also cannot allow is to allow Washington, D.C. to be running our elections here locally, like uh, Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats want to do. That's not the answer. And I will fight to prevent that from happening. Good. Um, you've been working with uh, Governor Ducey for the past few years. Uh, what lessons did you learn from him that may help you become a better member of Congress? Sure, that's right. I've been working for Governor Ducey as part of a senior staff for the past, well, since he came into office. My role has been around trade and border security and, and, uh, and border issues overall and uh, international issues as well. So, you know, when, when we look at, um, at what we've done, uh, one of the best things that I've that I've been able to be a part of has been to uh, I knew this obviously by my own uh, political philosophy of limited role of government to understanding really the role of government and how with by working in government because obviously conservatives we want less government but we also know there's a proper role of it where is that and where does it stop as well uh, can the government infringe on personal rights in so many areas? And, and, you know, having an answer for that and also knowing where government should be able to step in and help. And one of the main roles of government is to protect their people and keep them safe. And the Biden administration and the Pelosi team are not doing that at all. Actually, quite the opposite. Our border is the unsafest it's ever been. And it's going to continue to get worse if we don't if we don't do something about it by taking the house back and putting some stop to that. Okay, with that being said, you're leading into my next question, and we ask this of every candidate who joins us on Inside Track. Arizona Constitution, Article 2, Section 2, speaks to the stated purpose of government. Juan, what is that? The role of government is to allow citizens to live a life life, uh, and to allow them the right to have their pursuit of happiness. Uh, the proper role of government is to protect its citizens, as I mentioned, and to allow us to make the decisions that we know are best for our families. We have uh, a team, a gang, I will say, in Washington, D.C. right now between Joe Biden, Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi that want to run our lives from Washington, D.C. And all their advice is absolutely dead wrong for my kids, for my family, for my taxes, for the spending uh, of, of where of where the nation is spending money, how we protect our borders. That's all the wrong advice, but they insist on running our lives from Washington, D.C. And I'm, and I'm completely against that and will fight to rechannel the proper role of government in our lives, which is to, in most cases, get out of the way so that we can make our choices and the role of government has to be to protect us and, and, uh, and that's where they belong. All right. Bruce. To, to actually want to protect the citizens from government, really. Exactly, exactly, Bruce. That's exactly right. That's 
that's where that came from. And, and if you look at the history, that's exactly what the, what the purpose of that is. And it, it was yeah. the founding fathers did not intend for Washington, D.C. to run the lives of, of every state and every citizen in those states. So, so we talked about your dad just a few minutes ago. We talked about Governor Ducey. These are two uh, people that you know intimately and have, and have, and have been around them uh, for a long, long time. Um, if you're looking at your hero, uh, as as a kid or as an adult, what is that person either either living or not alive who you look up to and admire the most, and why? Well, the first one would definitely be my dad. Uh, I, I've talked about him, so uh, I can uh, I, I can just tell you that he's the top one, solid first place holder in in my book of someone that I admire for all the reasons that I mentioned. He, I remember that we would <clears throat> go when I was a young boy and. He would go and wash cars of, of you know, other people uh, to their houses on the weekends. And he would just tell me, like, listen, this is, you know, he's a man of few words and a lot of action. So he, he would just, uh, you know, do a lot and then tell me, you know, that we do this so that you work smarter and, and harder in school, you know, learn these lessons. Um, honestly, when we looked at things now today, like critical race theory and other, and other things being taught in school to our kids, uh, that uh, America is inherently racist and that there are all these obstacles that we uh, cannot and will not overcome. Uh, all that, you know, facets of that was still going on when, when I was when I was a young boy. And I remember my dad um, one time talking to him about this and said, hey, hey, Dad, have you ever experienced any of this, <clears throat> what they describe as racism? And my dad said, sure, I have. I said, he said, sure, I have. And you know what? There, there are racist people, but America is not a racist country. So just look at us. Where else? Would they welcome us like this? He said. So, so you got to put a stop to all that. There are people that think that way, and that's unfortunate. But that doesn't mean that the country, that they're that, that the country is inherently that way. Um, so, you know, quotes from my dad have really gotten me through life and helped shape who I am today. So, I, I will leave it at that with him. But the other person is my pastor. My pastor, uh, um, Air Force veteran. Uh, he passed away. Uh, four years ago, and uh, this Thanksgiving will be four years. I miss him dearly. He he was a second father figure to me. He he, um, he had a church in the south side of Tucson where where we went when I was a, a young boy. And his said his calling was to, you know, teach the word of God to the first generation of of Hispanics in Tucson, and and second to teach him how to properly incorporate and, and, and be an American here in the U.S. And he instilled a lot of these conservative values. I mean, you walked in this office and you saw a picture of Jesus and Reagan right right next to each other. That's the kind of man he was, very strong-willed and, and a, just a, a solid uh, patriot. And he w- wasn't born in the U.S., actually. He, he came here as a young boy, and, and his brother fought in the Second World War. So he had a lot of pride in our country, and he instilled that in me as well. Well, Juan, we're going to have to leave it there for now. Uh, come back, visit us often. Let us know what's happening in your campaign. You're always welcome here. And, uh, you know, there'll be other, probably other candidates we have on, but uh, you always have uh, an open invitation here at Inside Track. Mr. Producer, uh, we're ready for our bottom of the hour break. When we return, Blake Masters, the Republican candidate for U.S. Senate for Arizona, will join us. Stay tuned to Inside Track. We'll be right back. Thanks, everyone. I'm proud to welcome my good friends at Tucson Iron and Metal Retail to Inside Track as an advertiser. Jamie Kipper and her staff are conservation experts. They sell round and square steel tubing, metal plate and roofing materials, as well as new and used steel, aluminum, and stainless steel 
to ranchers, artists, interior designers, roofers, and do-it-yourselfers, just like all of the listeners here. Tucson Iron and Metal Retail is open Monday through Fridays, 8 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., and Saturdays, 8 a.m. to noon. Tucson Iron and Steel Retail, 701 East 36th Street. Call 520-209-1576 or go to tucsonironretail.com. And when you do call, mention this ad and receive an additional 10% discount on their already great prices. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up with science. You mean you don't use a shoe? No, we use the latest in technology and innovation to eliminate bugs, termites, weeds, and more. No spray cans and lighters? None of that. Only solutions that target insect biology, using chemistry to help protect the environment, people, and their pets. Huh. Essential Pest Control leaves bugs belly up. Call 886-3029 or visit EssentialPest.com. I'm Eb Wilkinson with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. I don't ever want you to be dependent on government ever again. I want you to become financially independent. You will never, ever have to depend on socialist security for your survival. We are here to guide you to financial independence. That's imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Welcome back to Inside Track. Bruce is here. I'm broadcasting remotely from Coronado, California. Eb is in the studio. And I look forward to being back in the studio again in just a couple of weeks. Um, on to our special guest, Blake Masters, GOP candidate for U.S. Senate. Blake, I have to say, a man knows he's getting old. That's me. When he's interviewing a candidate for the U.S. Senate who's younger than both of his adult sons. Uh, happy recent birthday to you. Well, thank you, and thanks, Chris, for having me on today. Yeah. Uh, Blake, as you may know, is an American venture capitalist. He's an author and president of the Thiel Foundation. Uh, you wrote, uh, uh, Blake wrote a book, Zero to One. Maybe we'll get to that a little later. Welcome to Inside Track. Blake, I, I have to ask the most obvious question. With all you've accomplished in your young life, which is considerable, why on earth have you decided to put all of that on hold to run for U.S. Senate from Arizona? Because I think the stakes are existential here. I mean, everyone always says, you know, this election is the most important election in history. Um, but no, actually, I, I, I really think that's true in 2022. If we don't win in 2022 as Republicans, if we don't stop a Democratic majority in the House and Senate in 2022, I think it's all over. The Dems tell us what they're, they're going to do. They're going to add Puerto Rico as a state. They're going to add Washington, D.C. as a state. They're going to pass H.R. 1 and federalize elections. They're going to pack the Supreme Court. They tell us what they're going to do if they get a lock on political power. I don't think we can let that happen. Hmm. You and your wife, Catherine, grew up in Tucson. Give our listeners the uh, to Inside Track. Um, tell us about your life growing up in Tucson, your family histories. Yeah, well, my parents uh, met in Colorado. My dad went to the Air Force Academy. My mom was from Pueblo. So I grew up uh, until I was three or four years old, just in 20 below zero snow. Uh, I remember it being very cold, and that's all I remember. They took one vacation. I think they went to La Paloma here in Tucson. Um, must have been 
1989, 1990, and they fell in love with it. You know, the weather was obviously better. Tucson, such a cool town, such a friendly place. And uh, six months later, whole family was moving to Tucson, Arizona. So I grew up here in Tucson and uh, in the foothills, sort of the d- d- delightful childhood. You know, I, I was a uh, upper middle class household and, you know, I took so much for granted. Like we said, the Pledge of Allegiance every day at school, you know, I learned uh, to treat people as individuals instead of, you know, the crazy stuff the kids are learning today to identify in racial terms. Um, the country still seemed to be working. So I had this, this you know, really nice childhood in, in Tucson, Arizona. And then as I got a little bit older and more politically conscious, um, you sort of realized, gosh, this isn't, this isn't how most of America is actually experiencing things. And, and things have only gotten downhill. They've gone downhill ever since for the last one or two decades at least, if not uh, a little bit longer, I think our political ruling class or establishment or whatever you want to call it has just been uh, just been failing us. And so I see things getting much worse. In some sense, my own children, who are seven, five, and one years old, three boys, in some sense they'll be fine because I've had a successful business career. But here I am raising them in Tucson, and they're on track to grow up in a country that works much less well than the country I grew up in not that long ago. Eb? Okay, Blake, how you doing? Eb, how are you? I'm doing, doing great. Thanks. Listen, uh, before we get on to other questions, I want to get this one out of the way so we have time. You're going to yes, be sir. representing Arizona. According to the Arizona Constitution, what is the stated purpose of government? To protect individual rights. And I think if I, I'd have to check, I think the, uh, the language Arizona uses is protect and maintain. Is that right? Individual rights? That is correct. I know. Other older state constitutions say, uh, you know, to, to defend life, liberty, and property. Um, but all, all of that sounds good to me, and it's something that I think people forget. Now people think the stated purpose of government is to do whatever the CDC says. Oh, my and God. The Supreme Court has to step in and remind them, no, hey, CDC, you're not the legislature. And then con- Congress people complain about that. I mean, this is crazy. We've, we've strayed so far from the stated purpose and how our elected officials act. Yeah, well, that's okay. The CDC recently praised the Taliban for uh, implementing mask mandates. Um, <laughs> listen, you wrote a best-selling book, Zero to One. Why did you write that book? Well, I was a student uh, at Stanford Law School when Peter Thiel, my co-author, came and taught a class. Uh, this class sort of wrapped everything he had observed uh, in his business career. He founded PayPal. He was an early investor in Facebook, founded Palantir. So a couple multi-billion dollar companies. And so he came and taught us this class on how to start technology companies, how to start startups. So it was kind of, it's about business and how to, how to create a, a valuable business. But it was so much broader than that. Peter's a really fascinating guy. And, uh, and there was so much philosophy and uh, political philosophy worked into how he was thinking about business. So I wound up taking really good notes uh, in this classroom and uh, sort of became friends with Peter. I published those notes online. That was the rough draft. It became very popular online, and I thought, we can make this a lot better. Uh, so, and let's, let's make a product of it. Let's make a little startup of it. So I pitched him on writing a book, and we wrote that book. And it's, it's, again, narrowly about business and how to do new things in business, but broadly we explore this question of why is everything so stagnant? Why have wages in this country until Donald Trump stagnated since 1972? Why do we have crumbling subways? Why can't we actually do infrastructure? We have the crap version of Democrats, you know, infrastructure bill, which is 
everything but actual infrastructure. Uh, why can't we build things anymore? Why are we uh, drowning in bureaucracy? And so this is a, a broad-minded business book about how to do new things. And the lesson really is that each individual still is so much more powerful than even he or she thinks. There's still room for individual agency uh, in a world that's quickly forgetting about individual agency. Well, good. I'm going to have to read that book now. Um, tell me about your core beliefs um, compared to Mark Kelly that uh, make you a choice for Arizonans in this election. I'm not sure Mark Kelly has any core beliefs at all. Uh, if, uh, if he does, he's being awfully quiet about him because you can't get him to say what he thinks about anything. Look, I do believe government should be uh, limited. I believe in the founding design that our founding fathers gave us. Uh, I believe in federalism. I believe in separation of powers. I believe in all these principles. And I'm just sick of elected officials that don't, they don't even pay lip service to this stuff anymore. Right? I remember my, my sort of moment on this where I just knew progressive Democrats were, gonna, were just going to careen this country off the cliff was when they were passing Obamacare. And Nancy Pelosi gave this press conference, and they asked her, you know, well, this this is you're basically setting up a tax, right? A tax that people have to pay if they don't buy health insurance, and that seems unconstitutional. Taxing people, uh, you know, if they don't buy a, a product in the market, what's your constitutional hook for doing this? And she just laughed and said, "Are you serious?" And before then, I remember when when the left wanted to, you know, do something that was unconstitutional, they would at least at least pretend that they had some constitutional hook, right? They would at least say, oh, well, you know, the Commerce Clause gives us the power to regulate commerce, and this is incidentally related to commerce, and therefore it's constitutional. With that Nancy Pelosi moment, you know, more than a decade ago, they stopped pretending. And so I guess I just, you know, the simplest thing is I believe in the rule of law, and I don't think that, uh, that the Democrats in charge do. I don't know what Kelly believes, but he just votes in lockstep with Schumer, so I'm just happy to assume he believes what they believe. They believe in unlimited power for themselves. Bruce. Hey, being from Tucson and running for Senate is a tough road for any candidate. Um, talk about why you think a fella from Tucson can be successful running for the U.S. Senate. And, and I'm asking this because I'm a lifelong Tucsonan. Ev's lived here for many, many years also. Um, why being from Tucson is so important uh, for serving all of Arizona? Well, I think, I mean, by default, right, most statewide candidates come from Maricopa County. And uh, I'm not sure that there's no iron law that says it has to be that way, right? I mean, independent of geography, I think I'm uh, the best candidate with the best message. I'm certainly uh, breaking through in the media and raising more money than all the other candidates in my GOP primary. Um, I'm also the only candidate the left is attacking. Right in my announcement video on day one, um, I had a controversial line, controversial to the left. I said, you ought to be able to raise a family in America on one single income. Right? We used to be able to do it. Can't do it anymore. I think that's an interesting story why Republican politicians should be talking more about it. But immediately the Pima County Democrats, right? And of course, Pima County is a thoroughly, thoroughly Democratic county. Uh, Pima County Dems wanted to, to call me sexist. For saying that. But again, I think that's, and it's obviously not sexist to say people should be prosperous enough to choose whether or not they want to have two workers in the household, uh, you know, bring in an income. But this is very interesting because they're not used to it. And so I think, you know, being outside of the Maricopa County bubble, 
I think growing up, you know, with my own individual perspective here in Tucson, um, most of my friends in high school, most of my friends in college, certainly, uh, were liberal, progressive. And so I know how these people think. Um, I'm also a lot younger. And again, I grew up in this country not that long ago. And so for my whole political consciousness, I've seen it get worse and worse and worse. Um, and so I think you combine all this together and I just look and, and feel and sound different than other candidates who are just following a conventional playbook. Yeah. Um, I guess you'd agree the past two weeks have been really, really difficult for our country. Uh, as you've watched the events uh, unfold 10 time zones away in Afghanistan, as an American, what are your thoughts and fears for America today? Gosh, it's so many emotions, right? It's, um, I mean, I feel sad. I feel angry. I think at this point I feel also bewildered. And it's just a national humiliation, um, just a tragedy, too. I mean, I was just reading some of the stories of these fallen service members yesterday. Many of them, um, you know, I was going to call them kids. They're not kids. They're 20, 22 years old. But they're young people with their whole lives ahead of them. And they were literally kids in diapers when this war started. And so I will never forgive the Biden administration, Joe Biden personally, for this botched withdrawal in Afghanistan. I'm not a military tactician. I don't like to play, you know, backseat quarterback. But it does seem to me that everything was done sort of in precisely the wrong order here. I mean, it seems really incompetent. But I also want to remind people the failure in Afghanistan was not just the last two weeks. I think for the last two decades, our leaders, certainly on the left, but also military leaders, uh, Republican presidents until Trump, I think we were lied to. Maybe they were lied to by the, the brass, and you just can, you cannot tell where the lie started. But this whole thing became this giant multi-trillion dollar overseas adventure that made no sense. And we saw this when Washington Post reported in, uh, I think it was December 2019, right? The Afghanistan papers that finally sort of revealed the general's internal correspondence with each other. And it revealed what many of us had suspected, which is they didn't know why we were there. We weren't there to win a war after a while. It drifted. They had, they had no sense of mission. But then instead of just telling people this, instead of finding a way to get us out safely, they just continued on and said, oh, you know, the war is right, or, you know, victory is right around the corner. We're going to turn Afghanistan into some great Western liberal feminist democracy. We've built this great Afghan army and this great government, and that all turned out to be a house of cards, and that just pisses me off. It is so unfair to all the thousands of service members and their families that we sent over there to be put in harm's way. Ultimately, for what? I'm not sure. Blake, if there was anyone in the world, alive or otherwise, you could spend an hour with, who would it be and why? Wow. Um, <clears throat> a great question you know i'm gonna say i'll just say the first thing that came to my mind is george washington okay why i think people um i think people tend to lump the founding fathers in all together and there's appropriate context to do that but we also have to remember it's like we had the articles of confederation right after uh 1776 until 1789 we got the constitution and George Washington, I think, was such a steady hand. Remember, you had the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists, and it wasn't quite the sort of Republican versus Democrat fighting of today, but it's pretty partisan. It was pretty bitter. It wasn't clear uh, that then, the, then the, the new country, the fledgling United States of America, 
which was then a startup, it wasn't clear that it was definitely going to have this crazy positive trajectory and this growth. It wasn't clear that it was going to turn into this grand, you know, multi-century successful experiment. And I don't know. It's like, you know, we didn't have the 22nd Amendment then. George Washington could have stayed on as president. He could have uh, he could have basically made himself a king. Like my reading of history convinces me he had that opportunity. He didn't do it. Here's one guy sort of at the crossroads of history. And I think he, he did the right thing. He knew that power corrupts and that absolute power corrupts absolutely. I think that quote came later, but he understood this. And to have someone with that kind of moral constitution and character, who's obviously a successful general, just a, I, I don't know. It's like real leadership is so rare today. And I think he's, you know, our paradigmatic example of it. So I'd, I'd love to uh, to buy him a drink and to, to pick his brain. My gosh, that'd be amazing. Yeah, and he made his own uh, beer, I believe, and wine. Hey, there you go. That'd be even, even better. Cooler. Even, even cooler. And all these guys, of course, like we're obsessed <laughs> with architecture and just classically educated. I mean, brilliant, brilliant people. Well, hey, Bruce, um, we are uh, waiting for Sean. He's not on the line yet, but uh, why don't you take it from here? Hey, uh, Blake, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, you, uh, you are different. A, a, a mutual friend of ours described you as being different from the other candidates and, and also different in terms of how you looked at the world. And that's, that's pretty clear uh, from, from speaking with you. Uh, I look forward to uh, having an opportunity to chat with you in person, and and uh, you know, please feel free to come back on the show when when the uh, uh, when the situation merits, and uh, let us know how things are going. Uh, how how can people help you in your campaign? Well, thank you, Bruce. They can go to blakemasters.com, uh, shoot us an email, send us five bucks if you're so inclined. Um, but if you if you want to volunteer, if you just want to chat with me or host me in your living room, go to blakemasters.com. Send us a note. Uh, thank you for uh, for all your support. Thanks very much, Blake. Thanks, uh, Blake. Talk to you again soon. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, we're, well, we're still waiting for Sean Steele. We're still waiting for Sean Steele. All right. Well, that <laughs> that idiot friend of mine better better call soon. This is the second time he he would have goofed us up. Um, you know, the the uh, California recall is getting uh, a lot more attention in California. They've mailed out millions of paper ballots uh, to everybody, it seems, in the state. Uh, I'm not sure that everybody is uh, actually able to vote, uh, but um, they've sent these out to jillions of people. Um, and the it's interesting. I listen to the ads out here in California, and they're all paid for by the unions. And they're all paid for, the ones that aren't by the unions, they're being paid for uh, by Elizabeth Warren and some of her lefty friends uh, in Washington, D.C., because they are scared to death that this fellow, uh, who is referred to as Governor Gavin Grusom uh, in California, is not uh, going to survive his recall. And they are absolutely petrified that a talk show host uh, out of Los Angeles, California, a part of the Salem radio uh, broadcast uh, group, uh, Larry Elder, uh, might be able to take uh, that office from the Democrats. And um, it is, it is so interesting uh, then listening to Larry Elder's ads on the radio and on TV because Larry talks about kind of similar 
uh, to uh, our friend Blake Masters. Uh, Eb, uh, oh, absolutely. He talks, he talks plain spoken. And uh, these are common sense things. And, and for the people who think that Larry or any other Republican uh, successor to uh, the governor, the gubernatorial seat in California, uh, can't do anything because there's an overwhelming number of Democrats in the um, California State Assembly and the California State Senate, that is absolute hogwash because there is something in California that that gruesome Newsom uh, uses all the time uh, when for whatever reason he can't get as much as he'd like from the legislature and that's executive orders and there are executive orders that Larry Elder can sign uh, to undo uh, some of the awful things that the legislature has done and there are also plenty of things that Larry can get rid of on his own and in, in, impose new people in positions. Uh, it may only be for a year and a half before the 22 election, uh, but this is this is critical to the state of California. Uh, these ads for, for uh, Larry Elder point out, for the first time in over a century, uh, California actually lost congressional seats uh, in this upcoming redistricting. And it's because they are moving, and these are high net worth people, high income earners. Uh, they're moving to Arizona and Florida and Texas and other low, and Nevada, other low tax or no tax states. Uh, and they're bringing their businesses and they're, and they're you know, uh, exporting employees and capital out of that state. Uh, and it is just amazing. Uh, the kind of difference that there might be uh, with a Republican uh, in uh, the governor's seat in uh, California. And, um, you know, it, it is, it's really interesting the way that they're handling uh, the election itself, Ab, uh, with sending out mail-in ballots to everybody. And you can also print those ballots at home. Yep. But yep. Yeah, I'm seeing a turning in California. I, I, I met uh, yesterday with... Uh, uh, Congressman Mike Mike Garcia from uh, from uh, yeah, he's District right up Twenty Five area. Yeah, he's up in Glendale. <laughs> yeah, nice nice guy. He won a special election in a heavily Democrat uh, weighted area. Yeah, he did. And and then one election from there. Hey, um, I think we have Charles Heller on the phone. Uh, Charles. Yep. Well, I was just going to echo what uh, Bruce said a little bit about Larry Elder. I love Larry Elder's plain, plain spokenness. He makes a point and says, hello, is this thing on? Yeah. <laughs> it just, it, he really reaches out to people. But I sit on a fence that other people who have programs on KVOI do. And that is, yeah, we do radio professionally, but we're largely consumers of talk radio. And I am noticing something from the observer's chair out here in my little, in my little garret, and that is that I've noticed more and more people, when they're asked about the stated purpose of government, are actually being at least tangentially familiar with it, or they're being they're being um, they're hitting a lot like, closer to it. They're getting a lot closer to the actual stated purpose of government, and that's a trend I've noticed over the last couple of years um, of being largely the guy that infused the question into talk radio. And I'm starting to hear more answers that are that, that that actually acknowledge it. And the last thing I'll leave you with is Larry Elder truly is the definition of tailpiped carburetorism because Elder is is a guy who's an attorney and he's a smart guy and he knows how to work the levers of power. 
and do and, and make government do the things it's actually supposed to and keep it from doing the things that it's not. And so much they're so afraid of him that the New York Times, an opinion writer, called him a white supremacist. You have to know you're <laughs> over the target when they're a, using a black faced white, white supremacist. A, yeah, right. On a, on a black man. And I think I think that's wonderful. I hope he gets called that a lot. Anyway. Thank you, gentlemen. All right, Bruce. Thanks. We've got I'll, one minute I'll, I'll, and twenty six seconds left. Yeah, so I'll I'll leave our listeners with this uh, before I'll let you sign off. Um, I think it's I think this this fiasco in Afghanistan is going to further uh, hurt Gavin Newsom. Uh, hang on to his uh, position. Uh, I think people around the country have seen the mistake that they made in electing Biden and his team. And I think they know that this uh, uh, goes on to all Democrats uh, who think the same way. And um, I think we're in for a huge, huge turnaround in 2022. And uh uh, our friend Blake Masters and, and Juan Siscomani, uh, they're uh, off and running. And, and uh, uh, you know, let's let's wish all our Republican candidates well in this upcoming election. So go ahead and close it up. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to say, uh, insiders, I've been instructed to uh, hope that you've enjoyed today's chats with Republican candidates Juan Siscomani and Blake Masters. Uh, too bad we couldn't get Sean Steele on the phone. Maybe next time. He's a knucklehead. <laughs> Join us next Saturday for another special edition of Inside Track. Until next Saturday for Inside Track, this is Eb Wilkinson. And Bruce Ash. Thanks for joining us and wishing you all a very pleasant afternoon. Customers come first at Tucson Iron and Metal Surplus. What other kind of customers do you have? So our biggest customers are actually like ranchers and people from outside of the Tucson area. They're buying a lot of square tubing. They're buying a lot of stuff for their ranch to close off fences. We'll sell anything from 10 feet to 10,000 feet to somebody that comes in because we have new steel and surplus steel from steel mills. The reason we're able to get such good pricing on some of this stuff is A, we sell scrap to the mill. So... Uh, we have a relationship there and then we can buy material what they're making bringing it back and so we save on freight and we have relationships for years with them so i think that's really our niche market we'll sell whatever you need tucson iron and metal surplus call 209-1579 stop by the yard 701 east 36th street open monday through saturday What your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. Wouldn't it be great if political leaders could create that country again? Learn how to do exactly that, one family at a time, with Imus Wilkinson Investment Management. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, imuswilkinson.com, 777-1911, 777-1911.